It's Larry. It's the United Pubcast. I've got Tom with me. There was a match of football last night. Apparently, we're going to hear to talk about it. So uh, if you are tuned in, make sure you hit a like on the video because as you can hear from my voice, it might be somber viewing. But in all seriousness, we will try to do our best. It is obviously a public holiday, so I'm going to lift my spirits right up. Tom, how's your public holiday been? Nothing happened much this morning, so uh, just tell me about your day. I've got nothing to say. I, I thought you were going to go on along the lines of like a cracking second half and a five back and we won the second half and what was it 3-2 in the second half, Martial double. Um, it's a shame we can't sort of celebrate Anthony's goal. I think we'll discuss that in a little bit, but as good as everyone else's Monday. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll discuss what was worse in terms of last season's 2-0 and whatever 4-1 or whatever it was that the Eddie had and the 5-0 against Liverpool or this one, the 6-3. It feels like a 6-1. I keep forgetting it was actually we actually did score three goals in the end, which is crazy when you do think about it. But what was worse, this one or the humiliations last year? Unfortunately, being in a situation where we have to weigh up the different humiliations against Manchester City and Liverpool over the years, it's um, a sign of where we are. And I think if you do look at Manchester City on the pitch and off the pitch, um, look, they were bought out in, what, 2008? Um, the Glazers took over Manchester United in 2005. And you look at the trajectory of both both clubs during that um, stage and with the result of where both clubs are currently at. What I saw in the pitch, Larry, we looked 10, 15 years behind uh, Manchester City and the facts would suggest that in regards to um, the off-field stuff. But we lost the match on the field and that's where it counts for us today. Absolutely. So in terms of what are we be going to be covering today? We'll obviously review the match. Where did it go wrong for Manchester United and Ten Hag? Was it the way the manager set up or was it simply personnel we'll get into all of that what do we now do looking forward obviously united uh play against ammonia and then everton uh in their coming matches so we'll definitely talk about what do we do we expect wholesale changes or not so and then obviously we will do our three two ones that should be interesting viewing in itself but tom i won't ask you about the starting 11 i think it was pretty much the status quo it was the same team that more or less went out against liverpool and arsenal and got a result so i won't ask you too much on that but uh, what did you what did you make of the setup? Did you agree with the starting eleven, or was Ten Hag right to go with a side that's gotten him results in the past? I think in every point we're going to make, and we're going to be so critical of so many different things on today's show, Larry. But we have to sort of caveat every single point we make is in regards to the individuals and the tactics and the team selection. It's all easy in hindsight. Everyone before the game was happy with that lineup. That was what everyone was expecting. That was what everyone predicting. That's what everyone was happy with. It didn't work on the day. Does that mean Eric Ten Hag got it wrong? I'm not sure. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But everything has to be said with a little bit of hindsight because that's what we wanted before the game. We all expected. We all said, yes, Scott McTominay deserves to play over Casemiro. Uh, we need to keep this back for if Ronaldo's fit. No, um, play Marcus Rashford, who might not be fully fit because Rashford tactically is better in this game. All these things were right before the game. We were happy with the team selection before the game. Three, three or four minutes in, um, we could sit here and say it's completely the wrong decision. So football is a funny old game in terms of the way that um, does play out. But I think in, in regards to the question, I was happy with the team. I thought, yeah, okay, not standard. I thought that's what I predicted. That's what I thought was our best chance, of potentially best chance of winning. Maybe I do change one or two things. But ultimately, no complaints um, an hour before kickoff. See, I don't agree with you. If, if you can recall to when we did the uh, preview, you'll note that I had Casemiro and McTominay starting in the six. And the reason I said that is those two as a pivot, just given the way Manchester City play, the way they spread the game wide, they they really attack those wide areas. I mean, Delo had a, a shocking game, to be frank. Malasia obviously got hooked at half time, 
And I thought that was the I thought it was the right game to go with McTominay and Casemiro. And it's probably the only team I'd recommend doing it against. Uh, and I think, you know, you can say, well, obviously break down the match, but fundamentally United lost the midfield battle, which most teams do do against Manchester City, but we were just so wide open every time they had the ball. Center of the pitch, big donut, just there was no one in there. But let me ask you, let's actually talk about the match. So tell me, where did it go so wrong? Let's firstly talk about the players, and then I'll ask you about the manager. So on the players, the ones on the pitch, individual performances here, do you put the blame at anyone in particular, or do you think it was more a systemic issue? Does more of the blame lay at the manager, or do you think it's a little bit of both? No, it is absolutely everything, and it's it's not to be overly critical, and obviously the scoreline suggests we do have to be overly critical and very harsh, and, and rightly so, but ultimately I'm not... There was no one, no one particularly at fault. Like no, no individual. I'm sure if Harry Maguire was on the pitch, there'd be a different discussion in regards to who was at fault. But he's luckily escaped all the blame. But in regards to, it was a collective thing. Now I don't want to point the finger too harshly at Eric Ten Hag. As I said, in hindsight, um, it's say it's easy to say he got all, everything wrong in terms of there was no real argument before the match in regards to it's a winning team which has got him the results. Fair play for keeping it. In regards to individual performances, okay, everyone had a bad performance. So if I'm to pick out Diego Delowa, I might as well pick out Malasia. If I pick out Scott McTominay, I might as well pick out Christian Eriksen. If I pick out Jaden Sancho, I might as well pick out Marcus Rashford. It was just one of those, everyone had a poor game. When everyone has a poor game, well, against Manchester City, one person has a poor game, you're in for a long night. Um, if 11 people have a bad game and 11 people from Manchester City have a good game, the end result is six goals against. So I'm not going to pick out individuals and blame them for them being the reason. But in regards to where United was so off the pace, do, do you think there's anything the, the, into... the, the, the first instant, the first thing, and it was my, my next point, but it goes along the lines of what you're going to ask there. And this is he's me pointing at an ind- individual. I'm not blaming Diego Delo, but in a derby, what did we say? We won that first tackle, go in and someone hit someone. And for a derby, this ball laid up to Diego Delo in between Jack Grealish and Delo on the right hand side, it was a minute in, less than a minute in, and it was the perfect opportunity for Diego Delo, just a nice clean slide tackle with his right foot. Clean the ball up, clean Jack Grealish out, and it'll be a throw-in. Go in right foot, textbook slide tackle. When the ball broke to Grealish, thought, okay, beautiful. Delo's in here. And he just hesitated and just didn't slide in. And at the moment he hesitated and he stopped and he sort of closed his hips and he went with his left foot, ultimately got the foul. Yellow card, look, no complaints with a yellow card. Ultimately, if that's a Manchester City player, it's not a card. Or if it's at Old Trafford, it's not a card. Michael Oliver obviously made the decision based on the circumstances there, but ultimately no complaints with the um, yellow card being handed out. But the moment that happened, it was game over. I think everyone sensed it. Everyone, the players sensed it. Well, hang on, Jack Grealish is going to be running Diego Delo all day now. That's going to be hard. And it was just Manchester City were up for it. Then Manchester United said, oh, God, this is going to be a long day, especially at the fullback area. And I thought that was the moment, not to blame Diego Delo, but 30 seconds in when that yellow card was given, I think everyone just knew... (laughs) It's over. We'll get into this a little bit. Ema, and make sure you get your comments in. Let us know where you think it went wrong. Do you blame the players? Do you blame the manager? Let us know where where you think it went so wrong. Was City just too good? Did United not do anything wrong? Do you think it was all purely Manchester City being good? Make sure you get your comments in, and we'll try and get to them as we go throughout the show. Uh, But Ema here, the tactic to sit back and hit on the counter was completely wrong. I'm not sure I agree with that, mate. I think the, the... the, the tactic was right. I think the execution was poor. You, well, I think it's really difficult to play football against Manchester City. It's not only that. What, what everyone's saying that the tactic was this or the tactic was that, and look, at all the opinions are sort of valid. I don't know what the tactic was, whether that was Eric Ten Hag had the wrong plan and I couldn't see that, or the players, as you said, potentially didn't execute it. But I had I saw the defender sitting off, 
but I saw the front three pressing high, and that sort of exposed Christian Eriksen and Scott McTominay so much in regards to it looked like, and they they did have bad games, especially defensively, Eriksen and McTominay. But they had, like, in terms of a defence to the forwards, you know, ideally you would coach, I, I don't know what Eric Ten Hag's plan, in, plan is, but from the defence, from Rafael Varane to Marcus Rashford, you want about 35 metres, maybe 40 metres max. Against Manchester City, probably keep that at about a 30, 35 metre distance. It was bloody 60 metres most of the time because the front three were pressing. Okay, not, a, not an aggressive press, but they are quite high in regards to where they were sort of starting their defensive line against Manchester City. The back four were dealing with Harlem back on our 18-yard box. So Christian Eriksen and Scott McTominay had 60 metres. So as soon as that pass came into Gundogan, who came and got the ball off the back four, it was game over. Even Kevin De Bruyne was coming to pick off the ball off the back four. And I just think Christian Eriksen and Scott McTominay looked so bad because they were so exposed. But it goes back to that. As I say, Imad, regarding the tactics, what was it? I don't know what it was. Did, was Eric Ten Hag saying press fire? Was he saying sit off? It just it looked like the players didn't execute it, whatever the plan was. But um, what do you think the tactic was? <laughs> do you think it was to press high or or park the bus? Because I think it was a bit of both um, and the players didn't know what they were doing. This could just be my perception. So, you know, again, if anyone doesn't agree with me, that's completely fine. I think United looked to counter-press. So what I mean by that is when they lose the ball, they try to win the ball back high up the pitch. Uh, when So if the back four have the ball, uh, I think they do look to press. And then if they don't get the ball back once it passes that first line of defense or first line of attack in terms of the, the team with the ball, I think they then look to sit in a low block, if that makes any sense. Um, that's what I believe. That's what I perceive the tactic to be. Again, I could be wrong, but that's just based on, you know, how the game unfolded. Because like you said, Anthony Rashford-Sancho did press from the front. And then once it, once the ball kind of beat them, you saw United try and back off a little bit. Um, let, let's talk about some of the individual goals. Uh, the, the first goal, for starters, it was just shambolic, wasn't it? It started with Diogo Delos' side of the pitch, and then it goes into Malassia, just not tracking. And But fair play, good goal for Foden. To be honest, Larry, there's been so many. I forgot what the goals were. You, like, you've described it very well. I don't know which one that was. That could have been the first. That, that could have been the sixth. Oh, yeah, but I don't know. I can't visualize what it was. There were just I'll so tell you many. What I will highlight then. Um, let's give credit where it's due because I'm a United fan, but I'm a football fan first and foremost. Kevin De Bruyne's pass to Haaland no. that got behind Varane. I. Maybe, maybe Varane could have... No one can do better. It's along the lines of... And so many of the goals and the way... Even if we played a perfect game, there's a chance City still score six goals against... I don't know how they don't go invincible. They should win every game they play 10-0. I don't know what they're doing against the likes of Bournemouth and West Ham, why they aren't racking up double figures when they play teams like that. No, absolutely no idea why they don't sort of smash teams like that. But in regards to Kevin De Bruyne, it was one of those things we had that discussion before the game. Do you, do you, do you try and stop Haaland? Well, then hang on, you give Kevin De Bruyne more space. Well, if you stop Kevin De Bruyne, well, okay, there's Phil Foden, there's Rodri or Rodri wasn't there, but you know what I mean? And that frees up space for Haaland. So there is no right answer when players like that are on their day. Like that pass you mentioned for Kevin De Bruyne to Haaland, what a ball. Here, us as Man United fans, oh, Rafael Varane could have done better or Harry Maguire was probably blamed for lack of leadership in the stands or something. We always blame play our players for not dealing with that. If that's Paul Scholes to Andy Cole or David Beckham to Rude Van Nistelrooy. We're not talking about the defenders, which can't talk about the defenders. Either. You just have to look at that pass, unfortunately. And as I said, I've said this many times, Kevin De Bruyne, um, unfortunately, I think he's the best player in the world. He is brilliant. Uh, we will continue, but I will come to your comments uh, sometimes you have to concede. We got blown away by a world-class team. That's from Ryan. Uh, that Kevin De Bruyne pass for Haaland is a joke. Can't defend that. Even Rio made a similar comment. Yeah, um, you know, I think 
it's one of those where you say could he have potentially been more conscious of what's happening behind him but like you say like for Kevin De Bruyne to just hit it so perfectly it's not easy uh Imad Bruno pressing ahead of our front three was suicide left back Tommy and Erickson completely isolated I'm not too sure. Look, I know Imad's thoughts towards Bruno, and I kind of get that, but I also look at the rest of the front tree, and the front tree were there with Bruno. So I, I, I agree. Well, I was frustrated with what I saw from Bruno, but in regards to the rest of the front tree, he was with them. He was doing the right thing. But ultimately, when that we get broken there, if Christian Eriksen and um, Scott McTominay aren't with Bruno, then it's an issue. But, but they weren't with him. So it was just everyone was on a different page. Now, was Scott McTominay and Ericsson on the right page? Well, suddenly we're sitting off, which Emad didn't want in regards to we should have been pressing high. But suddenly if we're not pressing high and we are sitting off, that gives him that space to come in behind. So but at the end of the day, whether that's Pep Guardiola sort of outthinking Eric Ten Hag or Eric Ten Hag not being able to get his game plan across the players, I'm not sure how it worked out. But ultimately, it didn't work out for Man United. It did work out for City. And the result is fucking humiliation. Let's talk about, I don't know if you want to call them positives, but I'm going to call them positives. Uh, Luke Shaw, when he came on, I thought looked pretty positive, and that's probably his best performance in the United shirt in a little while. Um, I didn't say it pre-match. Uh, I didn't say it when we were doing our 11s. And this, again, in hindsight, yeah. I'll say Malassia should have played. I was happy with Malassia playing. However, I didn't want to say it because it would have caused outrage when we were doing our starting 11s. I just was thinking it along the lines of, could there be a shock? And I was just thinking... Ideally, you don't want to play Malaysia in this game. You look at, obviously, other players who have played Manchester derbies quite earlier in their United career, especially defenders. The exact case is obviously Patrice Ever and Nemanja Vidic. It's not ideal to be playing Malaysia there. Now, I think he deserved his spot. I wanted him to play there. So, again, it's easy in hindsight. But ideally, you would want your experienced left-back playing in that Manchester derby. Now, Malaysia had earned that spot. Luke Shaw hadn't done enough to earn that starting spot. So, I'm not critical of the selection. But ideally, yeah, Malaysia was not, not, not shown up, but just... Welcome to Manchester. This is what it takes to play at the highest level and it's, um, an eye-opener for Malaysia. Absolutely. I think he'll be better for it. Uh, you, you made a really good example there. Patrice Ever against Manchester City. I want to say in 06. Pfft, shocking. It would have been um, January 06, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, with, with with that keeping in mind, I, I think Malaysia will be better for it. In saying that, Luke Shaw plays his best football when he's got someone to compete with. I think... The fact he's lost his spot, we've seen recent photos, he's looking in shape once again. Uh, I think we might actually see some positive uh, performances from the Englishman. Um, I also want to highlight Ronaldo not coming onto the pitch. There was a bit of an exchange from Roy Keane and Mika Richards post-match. Uh, camera obviously on Ronaldo, regardless of what you think, he's a superstar of the game. He doesn't make it onto the pitch. Let me ask you, before we talk about Martial, and look, 3-2-1s will, will definitely be a bit of a scramble this one, but... Uh, what did you make of, one, Ronaldo not coming on, two, Martial scoring two goals and Vent Ten Hag almost being vindicated by his decision, and three, uh, I suppose, what, do you, what did you make of the decision? Do, do you think it, it was the right call and what does this mean for Ronaldo? I was thinking at the sort of the hour mark when it was four or five nil, and you're looking at the scoreline, you're thinking on the bench, thinking, okay, well, who's going to come on? Why are they coming on? What's the reasoning behind that? That personal, what what are they thinking when they're sent on at four nil? Sort of all these things going through your mind. My first hunch was with Eric Ten Hag, don't put Ronaldo on. It's stupid to put him on now. And Eric Ten Hag sort of reaffirmed those sort of my similar thoughts at the end of the game, saying out of respect for Ronaldo, which sounds absolutely crazy. Well, then you put Fred or you put Luke Shaw on. Does that mean you don't respect them? Now, obviously, that's not the case, but that's how those sort of narratives sort of can sort of start amongst the media and amongst dressing rooms. But I fully agreed or understood his thinking along the lines of not trying to disrespect Ronaldo. I know it sounds stupid, but I could sense it. I understand where he was coming from in regards to that. 
But obviously that then sort of fumbles into the Roy Keane situation where I also agree with Roy Keane. And I think that is where, through no fault of Roy Keane, through no sorry, through no fault of Ronaldo, through no fault of Eric Ten Hag, this is solely the situation the club has put us in over bad business over the last ten years. The way this sort of deal, not to criticise a good signing or bad signing, but in terms of the way this deal came about in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo and the way that impacted potential sort of comings and goings and sort of squad dynamics, ultimately we're in this position now with this. I don't want to say problem, but the, the issue of Cristiano Ronaldo. And ultimately, I think both are right, Eric Ten Hag and, Christi- and Roy Keane, in regards to their views towards it. I lean, when Roy Keane speaks, I listen. Now, obviously, he can be wrong. He can share a different opinion to me at times. And look, I can disagree or disagree agree with anyone. I, I tend to agree with him here, Roy, um, Larry, in regards to no, not Eric Ten Hag is disrespecting Cristiano Ronaldo. But ultimately, if the club knew, which I do, we all sat here and said in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo moving forward this season, he'll have to take a, a sort of a subdued role. He'll have to be on the bench a little bit more. Now, obviously, if Ronaldo, in terms of, took his chances when Martial was out and was banging in hat-tricks, obviously, he'd be playing a lot more. Ultimately, he hasn't taken his chance in that aspect. But ultimately, we all sat here and said, all things considered, he'd likely be more on the bench this season than not. And Roy Keane's view was that to not let him go, Roy Keane sort of, and I believe he'd always tell the truth, Roy Keane said there were offers there. Roy, um, Ronaldo could have left. Um, there was an offer there. Man United say, no, we're going to keep you, which which I argued sort of strongly the case that we should keep him. But Roy Keane made an argue, a very strong argument as well to keep him solely to sit on the bench. Is disrespect the wrong word? Maybe disrespect's the, the wrong word, Larry. I'm not sure. But I, I did agree with decision. It's just the wrong decision, isn't it? But I, I, again, I put the blame not at Eric Ten Hag. I put the blame on the Glazers because the Glazers were – you could just picture the conversation. Yeah. yeah, mate, you know, I really think we should keep that Ronaldo player. You know, it really helps us sell those jerseys. Our, our bottom line's low and we need to get our, our 33 million pounds in dividends. I can just picture the conversation. Terrible Florida accent, I will admit that. But nonetheless, you, you, you can just – it's clear that it was a marketing decision and it wasn't a footballing decision because a good footballing club would have said, let's, all right, we'll support you. We're going to get Ronaldo out. We're going to bring in Gappo or whoever it might be as your striker. It's, it's, it's sad to see. Well, uh, take it back, go to Roy Keane's view and regard Roy Keane's talking about the person in regards to Cristiano Ronaldo sitting there on the, on the bench in terms of now, obviously you're right in regards to Eric Ten Hag is vindicated in terms of bringing Anthony Martial on who scored the two goals and all of us sit here, even me as a Ronaldo fan, I think Martial is the answer going forward as a long-term striker. However, Ronaldo sitting there on the bench, that's not going to help things. Like in terms of, as I say, every goal goes in, where's the camera? Straight on Cristiano Ronaldo. That's not Ronaldo's fault. It just, that's the way things will play out. Now, Ronaldo will get the blame for that. He'll get blamed for bringing a circus and bringing all this commotion. No, that's the media doing that. But ultimately, that is a mess. If Ronaldo is on the bench in Manchester United, one, even if we score a goal, if Martial scores a goal, the camera's going to go to Ronaldo. Is, is he celebrating? Is he happy for Martial? If we concede a goal, what's Ronaldo's reaction? Is he happy with the defending? I'm just thinking Ronaldo on the bench isn't the answer. If you're going to keep Ronaldo, play him. Well, I'll tell you what. If you think uh, – if you're – up for Martial, give us a like on the video. And if you think Ronaldo should be starting, uh, dislike the video. We'll, we'll use that. Um, let me just – I want to bring up George's comment here on Marcus Rashford because I, I, it's one that I agree with and I want your opinion without going over the top based on one game. Uh, but George made the point here. While we will start of possession, we were far too careless when we had the ball. This should be an indicator that Rashford can't play through the middle, exposed as a bad footballer with pace. 
absolutely seething from George. Let me ask you, Tom. Uh, in the first half, there was an opportunity. I think it was either Ericsson or Bruno played a good ball into Rashford or on the counter-attack, and the first touch just wasn't there. Um, I, I know it wasn't good football from the whole team, but Rashford, particularly in, in this biggest game, brought off fairly early in the match too. Um, do, do you agree with George's comments here? Do you think the Rashford at nine experiment is over? Well, we, we have this discussion every every sort of couple of weeks, and I always fall on the side of the argument that I don't rate sort of Rashford's future too highly. And now my opinion changes weekly in regards to this. When Eric Ten Hag was announced, I said Rashford will be the one who will struggle the most. Rashford scored a couple of goals, gets player of the month. Congratulations to him. I say, no, he do, he's the future. Eric Ten Hag can get the most out of him. Now we lose a Manchester derby, and I go back to the view of, no, Marcus Rashford isn't good enough to lead the line for Manchester United. So that is where, that's my predominant opinion. That is nine times out of ten, that is my opinion, and that is where it does sit today. And that's not to be overly critical of Marcus Rashford. It just, it's the fact of the matter. Now, not it's unfair to, it's unfair to compare him to Erling Haaland. There's a difference. Okay, that, that's what it's going to take to be the best in the world or to win Premier League titles. They have that in blue. We don't have that in red. And that, again, we don't. Anthony Martial's not that. Cristiano Ronaldo's not that. Um, Jaden Sancho's not that. It's not to be overly critical of the individual. It just shows where we're at. So if we're looking for Marcus Rashford to be the answer, I think we're going to be left disappointed. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. Uh, but look, let's uh, bring it back to your comments and then Tom, get, I can't wait for this. Three, two, ones. Can't wait to. Pick three players to give points to. Absolutely shambolic. Amen's uh, here saying, I, I can never criticise Bruno. Mate, look, I he was poor, but so was everyone else. And was he one of the worst players on the pitch? No, I think there were players substantially worse, including Scott McTominay. But I'll I'll just let, I'll just drop a bit of salt into those wounds there. Um, Viking, bad footballers don't tend to score a brace against Arsenal twice in their career. Yeah, that's fair. It's definitely well, fair. He, he, He's got a rush for like, He's just... They're highlighted in games like this. Um, unfortunately, they're highlighted. But um, fingers crossed he can turn it around. Yeah. Well, well, well he's in red. We'll obviously back in. But I think the, the talks of uh, him renewing his contract that came out during the international bank may be a bit premature. Um, let me ask you this. We're obviously going through two ones. Again, not, not trying to go too heavy. And there's a lot of football yet to play. And other teams will get embarrassed by Manchester City this season. Let's get that right. But on Marcus Rashford... He's got a year left on his contract, a year in United's favour. So let me then ask you the question, Tom. Um, do you think, if you're Manchester United, do you look to renew his contract? Or do you think Marcus Rashford, is it time for the club to make a big call and say, do we move him on? Is there, do we need to look for a higher calibre of player given the salary that he's on and the salary he'd demand? I hate saying it. Like every sort of question you sort of pose me or people in the live chat when I talk to people, everything sort of I feel like it's set up for me to criticise Rashford because I absolutely I'm love not, the guy. I mean, I'll give my piece too. Maybe I'll get critics, <laughs> but you know, I think it's a valid conversation. No, it is. Ultimately, look, ultimately, it's Eric Ten Hag's decision. What, what does Eric Ten Hag want? Now, is the club going to listen to that? Probably not. The club's going to make a financial decision, but based on commercial um, side of things, Marcus Rashford side of things, everything. Unfortunately, that will be the decision making behind this. Not Eric Ten Hag's view. I would like it to be Eric Ten Hag's view. Now he might want Marcus Rashford to lead the line. If so, give Marcus Rashford the number nine shirt and 500k a week. If that is what Eric Ten Hag wants, give it to him. My view of it in terms of an isolated player, you do have to look for it. If a club is willing to come in and pay big money or good money, um, considering his contract situation, I would. I probably wouldn't. Now, if he scores a hat-trick next week against Everton, I'd say not tied down to a new contract. 
look, I'm, I'm fully aware of my sort of hypocritical nature in regards to performances around Marcus Rashford. However, my view is, unfortunately, this is not to be critical, but it's 2022. He came in in 2016. Now, now yes, he was a young player in 2016. Obviously, he's been here a while now. Now, he has had good seasons. He's had bad seasons. But I just look at compared to other clubs around the world, whether it be Real Madrid or Manchester City, unfortunately, do you see Marcus Rashford sort of at that level? And that, that's, again, not to be critical of him, but he's not. Uh, I think he's great in his own way. But ultimately, you'd almost like in terms of the argument I make in terms of Scott McTominay, ideally, Scott McTominay would be a great squad player. Don't rely on him. You don't want him going away to the Etihad and being the main man in midfield. You want him playing at home to West Ham in the League Cup sort of thing, or you want him at, at home to Bournemouth in the Premier League when you're resting Casemiro. Ultimately, Marcus Rashford, in terms of his consistency and the way he plays the game, would be a great option off the bench. Okay, 20 minutes to go. Okay, need to stretch the defence. Okay, bring him on a left wing. Okay, your striker's injured. Okay, play for two or three games down the middle where need be. But relying on Marcus Rashford to be the number nine of Manchester United striker to lead us to glory, I just don't see it. And that's not to be critical of him. I just I don't see it, especially when I see the other hand, what's happening in the blue half of Manchester. Um, he's not the answer, unfortunately. But he's going to have to be by the looks of it. If um, Martial can't stay fit, um, he might be the main man. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic that I'm sure will definitely be brought up again at some point throughout the season. Uh, but, Tom, it is for that really exciting time where we do do 3-2-1. So if you are new here, let's explain the 3-2-1's concept to you. Uh, basically, think of it like man of the match. It's not necessarily the best player per se, but who had the greatest impact with the most impactful player or the best player getting three points and then that side of uh, sort of sequences down to two points and obviously one point at the end of the season, you have your three, two, one to player of the season. But uh, Tom, uh, so this is going to be really exciting. Make sure you get your comments in. We're definitely going to get your opinions up as well. Uh, but three points. Who do you think out of this United squad? Now it's really hard when you concede six goals, but we did score three. Uh, Anthony Strike, we haven't even mentioned that. Hell I, I feel sorry for Anthony. That, that should be something, man, United fans. I should have been on my phone all day watching that just on repeat. To, to go away to the Eddie Haddon score a goal like that, like name a better goal um, away at Manchester City for a Man United player. Maybe Beckham at Main Road or back in 2000, and, what was it 2001? <clears throat> that, that's one that rings a bell. That has been some good goals, but that's a goal Man United fans should be on repeat and sort of celebrating. What an absolutely moment for him. Two Premier League games, two Premier League goals against Arsenal and Manchester City. But we're not. We have to wipe it from our memory bank in regards to that, which is an unfortunate case. But two minutes before the Anthony goal, Larry, I was thinking... In regards to these 3-2-1s, I was thinking, well, I'm not going to be handing out 3-2-1s, but if I had to, I was thinking, who's sort of been the least sort of disappointing? I thought Anthony looked great. Man, I don't think he had a great game or even a good game, but he always wanted the ball. He said, okay, give me the ball. I'll try and make something happen. It never did happen until the goal, but he was look, he was always on the, on the ball looking for something. He was brave in terms of, and it's very hard to do when you're 4-0 down. When you're 4-0 down, it's very easy to say, stuff. don't give me the ball, play the other side of the field. But Anthony demanded the ball. And ultimately, um, scored a fantastic goal. Is that enough for three points? Potentially today it is. I know your mate Anthony Martial is probably the prime candidate in regards to two goals, and I definitely wouldn't argue with that in regards to the way it played out. I probably would make say Anthony Martial the, for the three points, but in regards to those starting players, Anthony was the least disappointed for me. Yeah, it's a really fair point. Um, look, one goal was a penalty for Martial. Uh, didn't impact too much. Um, I want to say Martial because obviously I've got I've got a I've got a fidelity to uphold. But uh, look, nonetheless, uh, I think Anthony would be a fair shout. So we'll say Anthony for for three points, 
I, yeah. let's let's give him the three points because he had to live through the misery. How about that? Yeah, no, no, as I said, from what I saw throughout that, especially first 16 minutes, I think, I okay, this. Anthony's there. Flurry for Martial, two for Anthony, one for Harland. He doesn't That's need great. any more points, Harland. He doesn't need any more than he's already got. Uh, George, Anthony, Martial, Shaw. Um, look, I think we agree then. Martial for two points. Uh, one point is interesting. Anyone that you're leaning towards, I think Shaw's a, a valid shout. Look, dude, George says Shaw there. You, you mentioned Shaw coming on and doing okay. The second half, Larry, in regards to performances, um, I honestly well, can't tell you. Half. Yeah, but I honestly can't tell you. It was one of those ones I was watching on my phone. Like, it was just, like, I was scrolling through Twitter on my phone watching. I had no concentration. So I'll leave that up to people in the comments. George has mentioned Shaw. You've alluded to that as well. Um, I'm happy for you to give out the one point. All right, it's, it's Luke Shaw. Sorry to disappoint anyone. Um, sorry, Matt. Sorry, it's not McTominay. At the hair, one point. I didn't. He didn't do anything. I note though. Do you he picked the ball up. He picked the ball up six times. I'm not sure how many. Yeah, um... sure. oh, yeah, yeah. That's a valid point. Well done. <laughs> well done. That's a big ball out six times. He did. That's a lot of. That's a lot of effort. And you know, you can hurt your lower back bending that far. Has a six foot one or so. He did come in for a bit. Of, like again, I haven't been watching the goals on replay. It's the last thing I want to do. But and look, maybe this is just a Twitter thing in regards to the sort of agendas people have against David De Gea. But it does look like he's coming for a bit of criticism in regards to his near post. Now again, I don't know. Should he save him? Should he not? I've seen Allison and Edison concede goals the near post every single week. They're not criticised if the ball goes in near post against David De Gea. Sell him. It's in terms of the way the Man United fan base works, unfortunately. But. Yeah, did come in for some criticism. I'm just saying, again, I can't remember the goals, Larry. Maybe you can shed some light. Would you um, point the finger at any De Gea issues? Look, what I will say is, whatever you think of goalkeepers, unless it's like a clear clanger, I'm not going to blame the goalkeeper. The ball had to beat 10 other players before it got to De Gea. So as far as I'm concerned, that's where the, that's where the blame lays. Um, and, and I stand by that. But uh, nonetheless, that's three, two, ones. Tom, um, let me just... Final question, and then we will wrap up this video and we can all put this match behind us. Do you expect wholesale changes? Where do we go from here? We saw, obviously, uh, against Brentford, Martinez was hooked at halftime, but he maintained his spot. Uh, and then we've seen, obviously, Malasia hooked at halftime. Let me say this. I think it's time for Casemiro to come in because we did say McTominay will almost have to play himself out. I think he played himself out now. I think it's time. Well, look, to... look, I agree. And look, no no bigger fan than myself and Emad in regards to Scott McTominay. However, Scott McTominay, Christian Eriksen, who was worse? Like, okay, we, we do have to criticise Scott McTominay. It wasn't a good performance. I thought it was, and again, not to be critical, it was Christian Eriksen's worst performance. And again, not all, it was off the back of all the other moving parts, made it very hard for Eriksen as well. But I'm just thinking in regards to you made the case. Now, obviously, every game is different. We're not going away to the Etihad every single week. But you made the case with Casemiro or McTominay. Who gets dropped first? Now, obviously, the, a game against the team from Cyprus or Everton is different to the Eddie Had. I understand that. But um, is it Casemiro coming in for Scott McTominay? Is it Casemiro coming in for Ericsson? Fred, I think, came on and sort of did okay, had a shot that sort of sort of started to a goal. So I think it's hard in regards to saying, okay, who's going to be dropped? Who's going to be rewarded with performances? Because there are so many fixtures coming up, there's going to be, have to be natural rotation. So players who even are playing well are going to have to come out. Anthony's going to have to come out to give Anthony Alanga minutes. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to have to come in. Anthony Martial is going to have to get a start. Marcus Rashford is going to have to be dropped. All these things are going to happen. So I wouldn't read too much into what what the actual changes are rather than just natural squad rotation. Well, I'm going to cast an eye to the Everton match because I think Ten Hag will prioritise the Premier League. I'll be amazed if, uh, I'll be amazed if Casemiro doesn't start. 
Uh, but, but then, but then you need the minutes. Like, what, what, what would you give him the minutes in the Europa? Give him sixty minutes, then take him off. Or like in regards to his first game, in regards to the Europa League, again, yeah, like it's it's, it's one of those things we look at. Okay, play the kids in the Europa League. Ultimately, Eric Ten Hag needs the points, so I think he's going to go quite strong in the Europa League. Well, what I will say is, stay tuned to our match preview for. Uh, the Ammonia versus Man United game. It's Manchester United's first game in Cyprus, so a little bit of history there. But what I think will be interesting is if Ten Hag prioritizes Martial as his first choice number nine, but Ronaldo also needs minutes, you yes. got this funny balancing act because Martial's not match fit, so you could make a case of he needs to start Martial to make sure he's match fit, but you can also make a case to say, is Ronaldo not going to play for would the you, game? Would today? you then start with Anthony Martial? We're here both with the view of, okay, play him at number nine. He's a better striker. He's, he's the option going forward in regards to the situation the squad finds itself in and people need him minutes against the Europa League team on um, Thursday, Friday morning for us here in Sydney. Is there a case for Martial on the left and Ronaldo through the middle? It's an interesting one. Uh, well, I will say if Anthony Martial is your first choice number nine, why on earth would you play him left wing? So oh, That's um, what I mean, but here we are having the debate on Ronaldo needing minutes and like, keeping him happy. Like, Well, that's the thing. I think it's it's going to be a, a test of Ten Hag now. Do, do you look to keep Ronaldo happy or do you put the interest of the squad first? Because if the interest of the squad is first, I dare say you start Martial on Friday, bring him off after 60 minutes. Ronaldo goes on and then Martial starts against Everton. But we'll yeah. definitely look to go into all of that in our match preview. Uh, but I hope you have all enjoyed that. I'll just come to a few more comments and we'll leave the video there. Uh, George saying, Ronaldo bring up his 700th club goal after being booed all game, then the fans celebrate with him. Well, yeah, that's definitely something. Mate, Cyprus, they, they won't be booing Ronaldo, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Iman, is he prioritizing Europa if Ronaldo starts? We asked the same questions of Ole a couple of years ago in regards to Hendo and De Gea. I, I think it's a case of he'll, he'll look yeah. to play on both fronts. He, if, you're, if you're a Manchester United manager, you just have to think, how do I get into the Champions League, right? So he, surely he <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones last week when we were doing the preview. We were thinking, hang on, if we nip a result at Manchester City, we can start sort of looking at a potential title challenge. We get put back in our place. After 20 minutes, now I'm sort of looking forward to the Europa League thing. Hang on, the Europa League is probably a better chance than Premier League. So I'm actually looking forward to this game on um, Thursday night, Friday morning for us. Final comments on the game. I'm going to say United aren't as bad as they put up. And by that same token, I don't think Manchester City are a six-goal better side than Manchester United. I really don't. I think United, they they almost psyched themselves out of this game. Let's also remember a lot of these players were at – were on the receiving end of drubbings last season. That, I don't that's think what I mean. Like, you're right. I think there was a sort of extreme measure on some both sides of the scale. However, you say United sort of aren't this bad of a side. How many bad sides go and get humiliated like this time and time again? Like, it's not a one-off. Like, this happened a couple of weeks ago against bloody Brentford, for God's sake. It happened multiple times last year. I'm just thinking, I understand that, and I, I do agree with you, but no, no, Man City, aren't, Man City themselves, aren't, they're not going to get smashed. Liverpool aren't going to lose 4-0. Arsenal's not going to go to lose 5-0 three times a season. Like, I'm just I thinking... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that about Liverpool. I think there's every opportunity for them to get smashed against City. They're, they're awful. No, no, they're but, awful. Uh, look, in regards to City, yes, but are they going to go lose 4-0 at Brentford? Like, I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, is Man United going to do that again? Possible. God, they probably are, to be fair. But in regards to... I agree we're not as bad as we did look, but the facts would suggest we potentially are, and that bloody hurts. Yeah, it's true. Viking makes the point here. When was the last time we scored three against City? Well, you know what? I'll celebrate in the positives. United scored three away goals in the Premier League. So, killing it. Moving up in the world. But uh, we will leave it there. Tom, 
been a pleasure, mate. I think we've, you know, we've made, how are you feeling after that, after the therapy session? I hope you're feeling a little bit more upbeat. I'd like to say yes, but to be honest, no. It's, um, it's a reminder of um, what I witnessed last night. All right, well, I'm sorry to upset you, but make sure if you're happy, Tom and I try to give you some sort of therapy. If you're feeling a little bit better after watching this video, hit a like for us. Uh, and if you are new, make sure you do subscribe. Like I said, we've got lots of content coming out. We've got a match preview uh, against a side song from Cyprus. United's first time against, well, against a side from Cyprus. Uh, it will be Ammonia. I don't know anything about Ammonia, but I'll definitely be sure to do my research. Absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely, uh, and then we've also got the Everton match. There'll be a match review uh, from the Ammonia game as well. So lots of content to come your way. So if you are new, make sure you do hit that subscribe button. To all the legends in the comments, Viking, George, Amad, uh, Ryan, thank you. Thank you as always. Really do It was good today it. in the chat because there are plenty of different opinions, but it's one of those ones where yeah, I agree with something in my head, but then I hear someone else say, I think, oh, hang on, that potentially changes my opinion. And um, hopefully our discussion sort of does that to people in the chat as well. It's all about getting your opinions in. You know, we don't all have to agree. If we all agreed, it'd be pretty boring to sit through. So, uh, you know, you got to argue with your wife sometimes. Come on here, argue with us, no problem. Berlin Harland, how many goals he's scoring this year? I think he's scoring 60. I'm going to say I'm going to say in the 50s. <laughs> I, think he, I think he is. Which he is... has to slow down at some point, though, surely. Oh. Is that 17 for the season now? That's ridiculous. Three it's... tricks in a row. It took like, I think they said Ruud Van Nistelrooy and Michael Owen took like 50 games or something to score three hat-tricks. Erlen Harland's done it in eight games and they're three hat-tricks on the bounce. I'm just... I tell you what, if United had Kevin De Bruyne, I think Martial or Rashford or Sancho would probably score more goals too. But, no, uh, if we had Cancelo, if we had Rodri, had Gundogan, had Foden, had Edison. If we had a Manchester City badge, if the shirt was blue. If Pep Guardiola was our manager, and so we carry on. But nonetheless, we will leave it there. Tom, have a good evening, mate. Uh, to all the legends, we'll see you soon. Cheers.